Trust with Dave Brown right along ringside. By golly, we're about ready to go with more big action. Thank you very much, and welcome to Georgia Championship Wrestling. I'm Gordon Sully, your host, and we have quite an hour in store for us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Championship Wrestling at ringside. This is Vince McMahon, along with wrestling's only living legend, Bruno Sammartino. Welcome to this week's edition of Mid-South Wrestling Television. I'm your host, Boyd Cheers, another outstanding card. Hey, guys, and welcome back to the Regional Wrestling Podcast, where we talk the territories. That's right, each and every week, guaranteed 100% territory talk here on the show. And of course, I am your host, Ray Russell. And this week, going to be joined by Jamie Ward, returning to the show yet again to continue on with Georgia Championship Wrestling 1981. But before we kick it all off, just a friendly reminder, guys, that you can listen to the Regional Wrestling Podcast and our sister shows, like the Wrestling Memory Grenade, currently covering the 1988 in the WWF Project. Just finished up the January 2nd edition of Saturday Night's Main Event not too long ago, of course, the first ever Royal Rumble upon us here in 1988, and WrestleMania Four right around the corner. You can also listen to Monday Warfare, The Battles Within. It's Raw versus Nitro, as I break down the weekly episodic story known as the Monday Night War, one week at a time. And of course, let us not forget the Wrestling Stoop podcast with the legend himself, Bob Root. Bob continues to share personal memories, stories, not just about himself, but all the other wrestlers, promoters, the referees, everyone he ever came in contact with. It seems like Bob has a story for And if you haven't listened to the show yet, go back and do yourself a favor. The stories about Terry Funk, Don Fargo, Ron Wright, Hulk Hogan, guys. Like I said, Bob has a story for everyone, so check it out, The Wrestling Stoop. And you can listen to all of those shows and more as part of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network located over at WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and anywhere your podcast streaming needs are met. From Apple to Spotify, Google and beyond. And be sure to follow me on social media. For all the latest goings on here at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network, and I'm also constantly adding old school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history. And you can find me on social media, guys. Follow me on X, formerly the Twitter. You can find me there at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R A S S L I N Grenade. Also, follow and like me, Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. And while you're at it, head over to YouTube, guys. Talk about YouTube.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Subscribe today. Because my YouTube actually plays into the Regional Wrestling Show quite a bit. You see, whenever I cover the UWF shows with Roman, you can actually head over to my YouTube and watch the shows we're covering right there. The main TV broadcast, as well as the B-Show, Power Pro. And I've been upping those in chronological order as we go along here. Plus, coming soon to Regional Wrestling, if you guys haven't heard yet, it's Memphis, 1985. Yes, indeed, we're going to be talking, breaking it down week by week, the Memphis Territory back in 1985 with the likes of Gene Jackson, Steve Crawford going to join the show. It's going to be a fun time. And thus, I've also began adding Memphis from 85 over on YouTube as well, once again in chronological order, so you guys can follow along with us. Now, I'm not just talking the TV studio show, but the secondary show that aired out of Jackson, Tennessee, covering many Mid-South Coliseum matches. Yes, indeed, the Coliseum matches airing on TV. And just for the fun of it, I'm even adding the Jerry Lawler Show. Yes, the Sunday morning talk show hosted by the king you can find all of those there on youtube so subscribe today youtube.com slash wrestling grenade and of course guys now would be a tremendous time to become a wrestlecopia patron and i'm talking to you guys about that five dollar all access tier 
And you can find me there at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Yes, indeed. The $5 all access tier gets you all sorts of gifts for just five bucks, including all of my insanely detailed book-like show notes, pages and pages of show notes for every episode of The Grenade Show, Monday Warfare, and the Regional Wrestling Podcast. You also get early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia, where you can listen days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. Also, remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade Show covering the 1989 NWA project. Includes enhanced sound quality, plus new content and conversation never heard before. But that's still not all. You also get digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure, random bonus video drops, and of course, the Patreon-exclusive watch-along series, covering many past WWF and WCW events. And you get all of that for the low, low price of just $5. No subscription. Cancel anytime. Help show your support. Give it a try for a month. I think you'll like the content that I offer, and every penny of it goes right back here into the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. So please, if you have a few bucks to spare, looking to support that next up-and-coming podcast brand, I could really use some new hardware as we continue to build the brand here, guys. So please consider making your next Patreon subscription, WrestleCopia, as we try to bring you guys the most quality product, providing information as well as entertainment. So if you can, help me pay some of these bills to keep the WrestleCopia podcast network up and running for the months and the years to come. And now with all of that out of the way, you know what time it is. Time to jump back into things as we head back all the way back to 1981 and Georgia Championship Wrestling. Let's do this thing, guys. And in order to get it going, got to bring him back. You guys know who I'm talking about. You've heard him before on John McAdams' Stick to Wrestling podcast. He's even made a special guest appearance as part of the 605 Super Podcast, The Mothership. Both of those shows, of course, part of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. And now we're happy to have him here on the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. You guys know who I'm talking about by now. Let's welcome back Jamie Ward to the show. Jamie, so good to have you back. Uh, it's awesome to be back, and Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Merry Christmas. Hey, you're a postal worker. Aren't you supposed to say Happy Holidays? Happy Holidays, Merry <laughs> Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, that, that whole nine yards, everything. Just get it uh, all in there. there encompasses it. They all mean the same thing. People are sending gifts through the mail. It's not even so much. <laughs> what a way to look at things. <laughs> uh, Christmas cards anymore. I mean, we just get pounded with packages. Oh yeah, I can it's imagine. almost like back. It's almost back up to pandemic level right now with oh all the packages that we're handling. Well, it taught everybody that just use the packages to go through the mail because you guys get the job done, either rain or sleet or however that goes. <laughs> we deliver for you. There you go. All right. See, no, no problem. You can't complain. You, <laughs> it's your job, damn it. So I, I, I am not part of the, I do not work for the post office nor any government or anything of that nature. So I can say Merry Christmas without getting fired. So Merry Christmas to everyone. But yes, absolutely. 
Happy holidays to whatever you celebrate out there. Hope you guys are enjoying the time. Jamie, it's good to have you back just in time for the ha-ha holidays here this week. Well, you put the APB out on me, and uh, so I answered before they, <laughs> the Ray Russell Popo came and found me. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was that was good stuff. <laughs> I was wondering how long it was going to take you. It didn't take you long at all. So, no, not, so, not at all. So uh, at least we're getting one in before the holidays begin, and uh, hopefully, you know, I'm not sure what I got coming up next week. It may be another edition of Memphis right around the corner, going to kick off some TV there. I think Gene Jackson going to join the show, too. And you know Gene. I think he used to fantasy book I, uh, with him a little bit. Yes, I did. Gene's a great guy. And uh, Steve, I believe Steve Crawford worked with my newsletter once upon a time when Brian Trammell uh, joined in. Both, both great guys. Boy, does Steve know his stuff. My God. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Steve, is you picked the right guy for Memphis and Steve, that's for sure. Yeah, I uh, I learned that pretty quickly. But um, last time we were here, Jamie, together, we went back and took a deep look into booking and the bookers here so far in 1981, of course, Robert Fuller bled over from the fall of 1980 into 1981. Didn't last that long. I think he was gone by the end of February. Then it was Colonel Buck Robley and that Bill Watts influence. And now we begin the reign of George Scott, though short-lived. If you guys recall, even though Robley wasn't permitted at TV, that last TV we had, he was permitted to finish up his booking duties at the Omni card at the end of May. But it's a new month and a new booker here. So away we go with the George Scott era in Georgia Championship Wrestling, Jamie. And it all begins June 1st in Augusta, Georgia. Bell Auditorium with Bruce Reed over Bobby Eaton. Ricky Gibson defeating the French Angel. Steve-O, the national champion Steve-O over Bobby Eaton. So Eaton doing double duty already. Brian St. John going to a draw with Jerry Oates. And in the main event of the night, Kim Patera over Robert Gibson. Quite a light card here in Augusta. Eaton working twice. I just don't know what was going on here. And you have all of this talent, and you're looking at all this talent, right? But Bruce Reed is in the opener after what we just saw on TV. So you can tell the, the book has changed. Oh, yeah. He, as you, we will find out going along, George Scott must not have been a big Bruce Reed guy. Yeah, you got that idea, too. Okay. I just was making sure it wasn't just me. It's just not this match. I mean, I know as we go forward right. is when That's what I, mean. I start watching every single week. Yes. And the Bruce Reed starts coming on less and less and less. That's right. That's why we get the Jamie Ward experience moving forward. First-hand experience and memories from Jamie as we continue on here in 81 because he was a fan and he was watching. Uh, we continue on June the 2nd, Macon, Georgia. Ken Patera over Roberto Soto. Bruce Reed scoring a win over Big Jim Duggan. Iron Mike Sharp over Brian St. John. Robert Gibson defeating beautiful Bobby Eaton. Well, he's not quite beautiful yet, but wow, there we go. Rock and Rolls and Midnights way back in 81. Robert Gibson over Bobby Eaton. And in the main event, Ted DiBiase and Ricky Gibson defeating the fabulous Freebirds. So the Freebirds on the downswing now doing a job to the likes of Ricky Gibson. Yeah, I wonder which two Freebirds were in this match. Oh, that's, that's a good call because... Uh, I because don't uh, I think we're about to get into it, but I think Buddy's just about gone. At this he's, point, he's, after he's that cage match, just about we're almost there. Uh, we're going to see the decline of Buddy Roberts before we end this episode, guys. So, Jamie, a little spoiler alert uh, after the fact. But uh, we continue on June the 3rd, Columbus, Georgia Memorial Auditorium. Bruce Reed over the French Angel. Kim Patera defeating Tommy Wright. It's Ted Oates scoring a win over Brian St. John. St. John subbing here for Bruiser Brody, who he will be back. But I'm going to assume that maybe he huffed and puffed and left for maybe a few days, maybe a few weeks after his buddy, Buck Robley, got the boots. So maybe Brody took a few days off here. Who knows? But Ted Oates scoring a win over Brian St. John. What do you want to guess that Ted Oates would not have defeated Bruiser Brody? 
No, I won't say that. He could have won by disqualification. Well, that's what he does wait, here wait, over Brian St. Which John. he does. With, so they went with the same ending. There we go. You can keep telling yourself <laughs> that. I, I don't see Brody agreeing to it. But it, it's possible because, once again, we are in Oats country, Columbus, Georgia. Also on the card, the Gibson brothers back in a, in a tag team action. It's Ricky and Robert teaming up this time, scoring a win over Jacques Goulet, a.k.a. Rene Goulet, and Buddy Roberts. So no Terry Gordy here. Makes you wonder. You go back to that Freebirds again, and I know Gordy misses some dates. So maybe it was Michael Hayes and Buddy there. I'm not really sure, but it's the Gibsons. Once again, I guess they were slated to defeat the Freebirds, which would have been really interesting. Yeah, and surprised to see Jacques Goulet. I don't think he's appeared on a card yet. No, he just pops up right now, and I, I don't know how long he's here, but it's uh, kind of interesting because they could have went out and done Buddy Roberts and Michael Hayes. Everybody says, why isn't Michael Hayes subbing for Gordy? Well, Hayes is in the main event here, and it's Ted DiBiase defeating Michael Hayes in a steel cage match in Columbus. So a pretty big main event for Columbus, Georgia. Yeah, kind of wrapping up that. DiBiase Hayes feud once and for all. Yeah, even though we weren't allowed to do that at the Omni, we get it here in Columbus anyway. As we continue on, June the 4th, Jasper, Georgia at the Pickens High School. Mike Sharp taking on Jim Duggan. Ricky Gibson once again against Bobby Eaton. It's Tommy Wright taking on Gypsy Joe. And in the main event, it was slated to see the Freebirds going up against Tommy Rich and Ted DiBiase. Now, we don't have results for that show, but the way the Freebirds have been losing this week, I think it's safe to say Rich and DiBiase likely went over there, Jamie. Yeah, probably... Probably by DQ because they are still the champs at this point. But okay. I like that opener. Sharp against Duggan. A lot of uh, beef in that ring for that one. Yeah, you're a, you're a big Iron Mike Sharp fan from what I gather. Uh, me, not so much. I, I respect everyone. Certainly from the old territory era, everybody has their niche. And, and, and I, I'm fine with that. But I don't know how good the match was. <laughs> well, he, he wasn't your technical expert. But he was passable. And, and Duggan's learning... Once he's been here four or five months now, and he's been learning from the best, including wrestling, too, that yeah. you don't do things you're not supposed to in the ring. Good call. And I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that was probably a decent opener. I, I mean, I, I like to see two big guys go at it in wrestling every now and then. Well, I'll tell you what, Duggan's been getting a little thicker, you know, in the body as well. He's been putting out a little mass right. in the last couple of months as well. So he's starting to become the Jim Duggan we know. His promos aren't there yet, but he's still slowly morphing into that Jim Duggan promo, that Jim Duggan look, that Jim Duggan style. He's still finding his way, which it's only 1981. It only makes sense, but he's getting there. And like you said, he's been here basically since the beginning of the year. He's really been honing his craft, taking advantage of this time here on TBS TV, as well as all of these house shows seven days a week. So kudos to him as uh, we know what will happen throughout his career. He's going to have quite a career in himself in the Mid-South, the WWF and beyond. Uh, but we'll go and on spoiler, here. Yes, he's going to have enough. He's here almost to the end of the year, in and out. Not okay. not the whole time, but t he'll be back. Well, you would know. You remember watching this much better than I do. I, I, you know, I watched this when it all became available this summer all the way to the end, when those tapes finally leaked. I think it was through Jeff Lynch or whatever, whomever it was. And I, and I watched them all when they were first available, but I really haven't went back and watched all of them. So without cheating and going ahead, I have no idea exactly when Duggan departs. But it's good to know we're going to see him here for quite a while still. Tough guy. And you love that match so much. They're going to do it again for you, Jamie, the following day, June the 5th. Clayton, Georgia at the high school. Once again, Mike Sharp scheduled to take on Jim Duggan. The main event that night also going to see Ted DiBiase and Tommy Rich once more taking on those national tag team champion Fabulous Freebirds plus quote unquote other matches. So the high school getting a pretty big main event. Oh, yeah. And I'm guessing that George Scott just figured you know what, for this first week, I'll just continue with what Colonel Buck was doing on the house show circuit. 
And then once we get to the uh, television, I'll start. Yeah, rally up the troops and we'll have a conversation. Right. We'll we'll make things uh, in my manner. Well, you know, when you change bookers, they start bringing in some of their own talent, Jamie. You hear about, you know, Buck Robley, you know, he got to work. And I'm not saying he brought them in. He kind of came after the fact, but he got to work with Ted DiBiase, the junkyard dog, who he did, I think, believe, bring in uh, the fabulous Freebirds and et cetera. He got to work with some of the Mid-South guys he had known during his you know time there with them. And uh, here we have George Scott. And the first person that winds up popping up on TV uh, in the George Scott era is the one and only the precious one. I'm talking about Paul Ellering right out of the gate. The beginning of the show, guys. It's the debut of a rather dapper-looking Precious Paul. Ellering, an outstanding athlete, a gentleman that we're going to be talking to extensively later on in the program. Right now, let me take an opportunity to welcome you to Georgia and to Georgia Championship Wrestling. <laughs> doctor, doctor, give me the news. <laughs> All the wrestlers are singing the blues. Precious Paul, the living doll. The master of disaster, the master blaster, the sole inventor of pose, a disco. The number one cause of divorce in the United States and of America. And wrong or right, doctor, I've come to fight. Indeed, sir. Well, may I just say that uh, we will be seeing you wrestle later on, and uh, also I'd like to have an opportunity to talk to you later on about your background. I'd love to. I can talk for hours. <laughs> there you have it. He can talk for hours, Jamie, but I do not want to hear any more of that rap right now. Jimmy, even Gordon Soli a little speechless. Uh, indeed, sir. Another new star, though, has arrived in Georgia. Paul Ellering. The other wrestlers are singing the blues as Precious Paul, the living doll has arrived, and I wrote here, the sole inventor of Pose or Disco. What, am I misunderstanding what he's saying there? What What the hell is that? What is he talking about? I, I tried never to read in too deep to whatever Paul Ellering was ever talking about. That said, I'm a Paul Ellering guy. I could just sit there and laugh and, and listen to him for four <laughs> so hours you must long. have enjoyed when the Mid-South tapes were, were released by, by the Watts family. Uh, because right, those, he, he, <laughs> those promos, they're, they're one of a kind. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, you're, you're, you're past that point, but come on, everybody's seen the one with him working out with the kids. Oh yeah. Yeah. I saw it, I, you know, I, in I, real time, like when I, when the tapes came out, I bought all the tapes. I dropped God knows how much money that was. I traded for some too. We, you know, a few of us got together and somebody bought some, somebody else bought some and we kind of traded around, but I saw all the tapes and unfortunately on Peacock, obviously all those workout videos that you're referencing with Paul Ellering and the kids and things have Pac-Man fever playing in the background. So some of them are edited completely out. Other, other of them, they have, you know, fake music, uh, generic music playing over top of them. So you, you can't even really hear Paul, which is unfortunate. You can't hear those promos, but anybody who has the originals, the universal wrestling archive originals, you guys know what we're talking about. These ridiculous promos, but Jamie apparently eats them up. Oh yeah. Give me as much Paul Ellering as I can get. <laughs> So here we go. Paul Ellering here. Uh, this was the initial replacement for Jerry Lawler, by the way, guys, in Memphis when he suffered that broken leg. But we'll have more from Paul in just a minute. Don't go away, Jamie. Uh, as we get to the ring for some action here, Steve-O, remember, he's back from Japan, the national heavyweight champion, teaming with Ted DiBiase, scoring a win here over Bobby Garrett and Ken Timms. And we'll see more of Ted and Steve together very soon, guys. So stay tuned for that as well. Also on the card here, Ken Patera defeating Mike Fever, and here he is making his in-ring debut in Georgia. Precious Paul Ellering scoring a win over Zane Hickey. And right now, I know you're popping, Jamie. It's time for our second 
Paul Ellering promo. And uh, has been NCAA champion and a host of other titles that have gone to him uh, uh, over the years. Let's see if I can't get Mr. Ellering to come over here and speak to us for just a moment or two. We were talking a moment ago, too, about other great uh, athletes a little bit uh, later on. We're going to be seeing the sensational uh, Jimmy Superfly Snooker in action. And, uh, well, Mr. Elling is joining us at this time. <laughs> Power, baby! Power! Look at this bodyguard! I can't believe it myself! I'm the master of disaster. I'm the master blaster. I'm the number one cause of divorce in the United States of America. I am all things to all people. I am a meteorologist. I look at all the lovely ladies and I tell weather. <laughs> I am an architect. I look at all my lovely ladies, and I am full of plans. <laughs> Even as a baby, Gordon, I grabbed a nurse instead of a bottle. <laughs> well, Mr. Elling, let's talk a little bit about your background, if we can. In 1977, you set a world deadlift we uh, weightlifting record. Correct. Correct! Keep talking! There's so much to say! Well, of course, you were NCAA champion in weightlifting. You wrestled uh, throughout high school and college. That's right! Anything I've ever set my eyes on has turned to gold! Gold! That's why I am called precious. Because if everybody had gold, it wouldn't be precious no more. But I, I alone have it all. Can you imagine the immense burden on my shoulders? Indeed, sir. We, we sympathize with you. Thank you so very much. The somewhat narcissistic Paul Ellering. Whoa! And we get our second indeed, sir, from Gordon already here. Hey, so hey, hang in there for a minute, Ray. I got to wipe the eyes. The, the eyes are tearing right now from listening to that. <laughs> I got to say, is, the first time in regional wrestling and, and he's right. It was pure gold because he is precious. <laughs> that is great. gold. And, and, and something else hit me there. This is where Seth Rollins stole his whole gimmick. Well, that, that may be because the promos are very similar anyway. <laughs> yeah. He's a visionary. <laughs> Yeah, I, you, you, <laughs> I you look at the ladies, know. and I, I, I'm a re meteorologist. I tell the weather. I thought he was going to follow that up with weather or not, blah, blah, blah. It's No, that was just, that was the entire line. So I, mean, I, I have to apologize, when... Jamie. I, 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 in the history of regional wrestling, that's the first time I actually had to laugh out loud during a segment, so I'm sure they picked it up. <laughs> I was and laughing you with as well. You I heard you. I heard you. So, I mean, that's just how ridiculous this is, though. I, I'm not even looking at the video, and I'm laughing just at the audio, so you, you guys can imagine. You can go find this on YouTube, by the way. All right, that sounded like it was the end of the first hour. Mm -hmm. You know Gordon went in the back and said, what the beep? <laughs> this we, guy we will not have this here. <laughs> I'm not interviewing this guy again today. <laughs> no, two is enough. So, so because you, you could hear it in Gordon's you could hear it in Gordon's voice by the end of that interview. Indeed, sir. Yeah, I've, I've learned a new Gordonism, another soulism there. Indeed, sir means I'm done with this. 
So yes. he's done he's done it with both promos now. So we got some repeat lines there from the first promo. And he says, even as a baby, he grabbed a nurse instead of a bottle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he loved to rhyme, too, and, and tell some uh, really bad jokes. But talk about a look. Paul Ellering at this point was jacked. And he looked older than he was. I went and looked it up. He's only 28 years old here, but he looks like he's 40. But Paul did really? indeed. He said, yeah, 28 years old. I went and Googled it to make sure. So, but he, he did. So I went back. Gordon's talking about these credentials, and I didn't know if any of them were even true. He did indeed set a weightlifting record back in 1977. Lifted 745 pounds. But I, I looked up the NCAA part. I wrote, in what sport? Because sounded work to me. I couldn't find any type of NCAA involving Paul Ellering. I couldn't find it anywhere. So I'm calling. I bullshit. mean, Gordon, Gordon did say in, in uh, weightlifting, but that is probably embellished. What, what in wrestling is it? I don't, you know, I just figured they added some credentials here because even Paul, when Gordon threw it to Paul, Paul's like, keep talking, you know, like basically keep making shit up about me. So what I thought, what I read into it. And uh, so we'll see this in Mid-South, like we talked about fairly soon. He'll pop up later in 81 and into 82 with Bill Watts on and off because he keeps getting injured. And that's why he eventually just becomes a manager. But just those ridiculous vignettes we were talking about, Jamie. But Gordon being very polite here, referring to Paul as only somewhat narcissistic. Ellering just blurting out random sayings rather than cutting an actual promo. There were periods where Gordon asked him questions. Instead of focusing on the words that Gordon was asking him, he just started responding. But it's like Gordon could ask him, what's two plus two? And he's over here going green. You know, he wasn't paying attention to what Gordon was saying. He already had his mind made up what was going to come out of his mouth. I mean, it's obvious that he was taking the the, uh, superstar Billy Graham special vitamins here. But well, yeah. he might have been taking he he, he might have uh, gotten into some Michael Hayes stash and a little bit of everything. It, it, it took him a different direction <laughs> instead of, instead of coherent interviews like Michael Hayes. It, it went the other the other way. It certainly did. So it's not the same gimmick as Kim Patera, but it's still similar in many ways. The weightlifting, the muscles, and I know Paul Ellering, like you said, more jacked than Kim Patera. I'm not doubting Kim Patera's strength by by the way, guys, but. The blonde hair, just a lot of similarities, even though they are different gimmicks. Paul Ellering, more flashy. Kim Batera, more just direct and to the point. But Paul coming off that tour of the IWE in Japan, just like Steve-O. So do we? Th- do you think we have Steve-O to blame? Did he make a fucking phone call and say, hey, you got to get this guy Paul Ellering and bring him in? They both wind up hey. in the IWE, which is like the third class, the third rate Japanese promotion, mind you guys. And now they're both back here at the same time in Georgia. Yeah, Mr. Personality, uh, maybe they were roommates over in Japan, riding a bus together all the time, and <laughs> and he put the good word for him, in for can, him when he got back. Well, could you imagine Steve-O sitting on the back of the p- bus on the Japanese tours listening to Ellering cut these promos? Wow, that's great stuff, because Steve-O knows all about the promo business, right? So he's like, this is amazing stuff. we got to get you down on TBS when I get back there, and, and here we go. I'm just making stuff up, guys. I don't think Steve-O had any pull, but... It's fun to imagine, Jamie. Steve-O must have had some kind of pull. He's around for almost another go. year. Well, you got a damn good point there. <laughs> Steve-O's made it through several bookers. Four bookers I think he's going to go through. Uh, before yeah, because he, he, he started with Bill Watts to begin with. Five bookers. Yeah, Watts, Fuller, Robley. Now we're on George Scott, and he'll still be there when Ole takes over. So he's going he's to yeah, go through exactly. five bookers. Unbelievable. He may be the only guy to do that off the top of my head. It's possible. So uh, we go on uh, also here on TBS, Wildfire Tommy Rich over Rick Link, the future man Mountain Link. Ricky and Robert Gibson teaming up for a tag team win over Tom Yancey and Bunk Brannigan. It's Brian St. John defeating Ray- Rick Stevens. Almost said Ray Stevens. That would never happen. 
And then from one strongman to another, we heard plenty enough from Paul Ellering. Well, maybe Jamie hasn't, but I have for the time. Gordon Soley's shirt certainly has. So right now it's time for another strongman. This one is Ken Patera and this week's Feet of Strength. And this week, Kenny going to bend stainless steel bolts, large, thick nails in half with his bare hands. I might point out that I have these two stainless steel bolts. Like I mentioned earlier, stainless steel bolts is the key to construction, and I will destruct the stainless steel bolts. We, well, a few weeks ago, I guess it was, I bent a steel bar, and I drove a screwdriver through a couple solid oak boards. Well, today, a lot of people have been asking me, Ken, how do you develop your hand strength? What is your secret to the swinging full Nelson? Well, the secret to the swinging full Nelson is definitely arm and hand strength. And today, I'll bend a bolt. It would be something to see indeed, sir. You'd like to go ahead and proceed, and I might point you out I've examined... jagged edges on here to prevent from tearing the flesh on the palm of the hand. I'll wrap it in the... This isn't a trick or anything. You know, I'm not uh, a Houdini or whatever. But I am awfully strong, which I will show right now. Well, obvious situation here, using the uh, wash rag to protect the hands of the flesh itself from being torn because of the tremendous pressure that has to be exerted. And you can see by uh, what's happened here that it obviously has been bent. Well, there you have it. That is... <laughs> you know, you mentioned earlier, which I'm not going to, you know, come out here and challenge anybody. There's a lot of strong people in professional sports, and the strongest ones are definitely in professional wrestling. You mentioned Paul Ellering and a few others. Paul Ellering sent a few national records. He picked up 700 pounds to his knees. Well, Campotera put the 700 pounds over So the key to Kenny's finisher, he says, the swinging full Nelson, is arm and hand strength. And these are the types of things that he does to build up said strength, Jamie. A test here to show you how strong his arms are and his hands as well uh, to make his finisher all that more deadly. As Kenny admitting Paul Ellering is a strong man, he set some records himself, picking up over 700 pounds to his knees. While Patera, he put 700 pounds over his head. So Kenny not going to be outdone by the other strongman's arrival here in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Yeah, just like when uh, Iron Mike Sharp debuted with the um, full Nelson, I imagine Kenny went back and had a nice conversation with Mr. Ellering after everything was all said and done that day. Oh, I have to, you, you can tell by this promo, a heel cutting a promo on another heel, that Patera saw the shtick and saw Ellering's look when he arrived here and said, no, we're not going to have this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nip this in the bud. Not saying that he got Ellering canned. I'm just saying that Patera was like, I'm going to make it clear to the fans that I am the real strong man. Ellering can go do the, the pretty boy or whatever you want to call it gimmick, the, the narcissist, if you will. But Ken Patera making sure to let everyone know he is the true strong man here in Georgia. It's not often you hear a heel reference another heel, especially when there's no planned program between the two. But that's just Kenny right. going into business for himself there, making sure everybody knows that he is the strongest man, quote unquote, in the world. Yeah, that's and that's what Ken wants, and that's what Ken's going to get. So that was it for the sound bites here this week, guys. We got a bunch of matches to go over here still, Jamie, but not a lot, by the way, of sound bites out there. No promos other than those. At least those two Ellering promos are out there. I'm sure you you enjoyed that. They could have been lost in time if if not for the little bit that is out there. So it's cool to see Ellering's arrival here. Whether the promos were good or not, that's you know subjective, I suppose. 
But uh, at, at least it's out there. We've seen the debut of Eldering in Georgia. If, if hey, if nothing else out of those interviews, go back and watch Gordon's face. It, <laughs> it, it, it's priceless. I mean, it's what is this? I, yeah, I'm, I'm speechless on how to describe Gordon's face. He just, <laughs> what the? <laughs> Give me another. Are, are we sure? Are we 100% sure that Ellering was a heel right here? I mean, I, it was so I, out there, you don't know what the hell he was. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It was like Randy Savage if he was incoherent. I just, I don't know what yeah. was happening. Well, I, I, I understood what he was saying. Uh-huh, I like that right there. I knew what he was saying all the time. Dig it. All right, we're going to roll on here. Kim Patera. So he bends the steel bars, and now he heads to the ring and scores a win with his swinging full Nelson over Jerry Mahoney. And the show continues on with the arrival of George Scott, came Paul Ellering, and also came, we talked about it, Sergeant Jacques Goulet, a.k.a. Rene Goulet. Jacques Goulet has arrived in the territory, defeating Zane Hickey here. Goulet, no stranger to George Scott, a journeyman, yes, in general. He's even worked for the WWF, former WWF Tag Team Champion, but he got some solid runs all over and would pop into Crockett's territory essentially every year during Scott's long booking tenure there. So a familiar hand to George Scott, bringing in the journeyman, uh, Rene Goulet. Who was his partner in that Legionnaire tag team? Sergeant LeBeau, uh, uh, one of the uh, Yukon Lumberjacks, I believe. Okay. Not, not Scott Irwin, That's... obviously, the other one. I think that was who it was. Okay, that sounds good. I, I was just drawing a blank, and now that you say that, I think I've heard that before. Yeah, I know the name's correct. I'm, I'm trying to put the face to it off the top of my head, and I, I do believe it was the other Yukon Lumberjack from the WWF. <clears throat> yeah, I was a Rene Goulet guy in the WWF. I just loved his hair, you know? And when he became an agent, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, my cousins or my brother would be over, and whenever the agents ran out, we always did, like, the Rene Goulet watch. Oh, there's Rene! So it was important. It was an important angle when Rene came out. We loved that hair, that flo- floppy hair he used, that, that bozo cut. <laughs> it was the opposite. Bozo stuck but- up, and Kenny, or Rene's just hung down. <laughs> the bad part was when he became an agent, he ditched that white glove. Oh, yeah. You got to have the Scorpio glove. Should have kept it in his back pocket, literally. Yeah. And one day pulled out for an angle. There you go. I would have liked to have seen that. I would have bought that. <laughs> uh, speaking of buying things, the uh, future million dollar man here, Ted DiBiase, teaming up with Steve-O in the second hour, much like the first. It's not a uh, coincidence, guys, either, I'm afraid to say, as they defeat the team of the French Angel and Buck Brannigan. So starting to fear, Jamie, that this is... Again, no coincidence. I, I fear for the things that I, I guess I know are coming. Mr. Personality's push continues. I, I don't want to spoil for anybody. No, I, and I appreciate that. I just, I, I just, I'm, I'm speechless actually. And it, it's, it's all going to happen here in just a few days' time. Yeah, so. does somebody really like this guy? And did he say at be, one point? There's only one. His comment father that, was a wrestler, but we don't know who his father was. I don't know if the, I know he said his brother was in the NFL. Was it his brother? Well, his father did something, and I can't remember what it was. I know his brother, he said, was in the NFL. Um, I, lo- I looked it up. He didn't last very long, but I think it was due to injury, not because he wasn't a-, a good player. And his father did something, so you're right. I just can't remember what it was. Yeah, but we'll have to go back and, and check that out again. Uh, not something I absorbed and kept in my memory bank, Steve-O's family uh, history. But <laughs> Well, you, you know what? On a serious note, it just, just popped in my head. Didn't Vern always have at least some points in Georgia? I have no idea. And, and, I, I, and maybe he's a, he's a Vern guy who Vern said, hey, you guys take care of him. Show him how the sport's done, and I'll eventually bring him back up. And do nothing with him, because that's uh, basically what happened. <laughs> so yeah, that is what Well, he was good as the ninja, but that's another story. Yeah, that's, that's another gimmick for another day, I, I guess. But 
Yeah, so here he is, teaming with Ted DiBiase. They pick up a win. Now, Steve-O's still the national heavyweight champion, but that's not really an important deal right now uh, currently going on in Georgia is that national title. It'll get a resurgence here later in the year, but not at the moment with Steve-O as the champion. Uh, we go on, though. Listen to this tag team. Paul Ellering back in the ring again, this time teaming with Brian St. John. There's a duo for you. It's Ellering and St. John over the team of Rick Stevens and Ted Oates. I can only guess Stevens did the job in that one. Yeah, most likely. Uh, Ted's not doing a job there, if he doesn't have to. Right. Uh, Mike Sharp, also on the card, scoring a win over Rick Craven. And just in case you guys were wondering who was booking now, we get a VTR of Superfly Jimmy Snuka. We go all the way back to the fall of 1979, as we see Snuka scoring a win over Bob Marcus. At that time, Snuka was a heel with manager nature boy Buddy Rogers in his corner. And yes, guys, Buddy Rogers will manage Snuka briefly in the WWF as baby faces. But back in 79, Snuka a heel for Crockett and Buddy Rogers was his manager there as well. And so I just found it interesting. That was the, the most recent footage they could find of Snuka to put here on Georgia TV to close out the show. But George Scott, a big fan of Jimmy Snuka, used him again a lot during the Crockett era. So it makes sense that he brings Snuka over. That's a hell of a talent, to uh, a hell of a coup to get here in 1981. Or as Gordon refers to him, Jimmy Snuka. 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 Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So Jimmy Snuka is on his way to the Georgia territory. I can't wait for that one. I'm actually popping for that one. Paul Ellering? Eh, not so much. Rene Goulet? Well, I mean, I'm fine with him being on the show, but Jimmy Snuka, that's the high-impact name thus far coming in during this George Scott era as the Booker of Georgia Championship Wrestling. And we go on, going to look at some more house shows here for the next week. June the 6th, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Memorial Auditorium. Ken Patera over Mike Sharp. Steve O defeating Jacques Goulet. Paul Ellering over Bobby Garrett. It's Butch Reed. He's still here, but he's not on TV. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. So no Butch on TV. He's working the undercard here, the prelims here. He's scoring. He hasn't lost any matches since George Scott took over. But after having that explosive debut over the Freebirds and going to that fight with Bruiser Brody, on television, all in the same show, all of that momentum, and he's not even on the following TV. That's mm-hmm. talking about dropping a ball. I don't care if that's your guy or not. You've got something, you know, there. You can utilize it. Maybe you, you don't want him in the main event. That's fine, but you have already have an established star. You don't have to do anything. He's already ready to go. He was on fire that first week of television. Yeah, and now it's just Bruce mm-hmm. Reed over Brian St. John here in Chattanooga, so they're doing nothing with him here. And you notice something else, right? Since April, May, the Chattanooga shows have slowly become weak house shows. Yeah, yeah. They they were certainly stacking them, not like they were doing Columbus, Ohio a while back, but they were certainly giving us right. Tommy Rich. When they the first started run, right. When they first started running Chattanooga, they were load, loading that card up pretty well. And just in the last month or two, it's not getting the respect no, of the city I, as it originally was. Yeah, it's a further drive and uh uh, you know, I thought they were trying to take over maybe that area, that Chattanooga area, obviously up there in the eastern Tennessee. And they were really bringing some good cards. I won't call them Omni-like cards, but they were certainly as good as you're going to get it for a house show. And now exactly. you're right. I mean, you know, I, I'm looking for uh, one match on this show that really is the stronghold, and I don't see anything. Patera and Mike Sharp may be the main event, if you want to call it that. The only other match on the show that I haven't addressed yet, Ted Oates defeating the French Angel, Frank Morell. So not a whole lot there in Chattanooga. So if you were going to the shows early on and now they're giving you this, it's almost like they're trying to kill the town. It seems like it, doesn't it? So we go on Marietta. No, I'm sorry. 
Moultrie, Georgia. I hope I pronounced that right. At the City Gym, Tommy Wright taking on Gypsy Joe. Ricky Gibson against the French Angel. Robert Gibson still married to Bobby Eaton right now. And the Freebirds going up against Tommy Rich and Ted DiBiase there on June the 6th. Did you notice we didn't get the Freebirds on TV, but they've been on all the house shows. So very odd. Again, changing bookers. They're not George Scott guys. Let me ask you something. I, you're, you're not a George Scott guy, okay? I, I don't mean you, Jamie, but I'm just saying figuratively. You're, you're not a George Scott guy. He's not a fan of you or, or whatever. He doesn't get it. But you've been there for, what has it been? Six, seven, eight months. On top, in the main events, selling out or damn near selling out every big show you're on, every hot angle that's went down for the last several months. You cut great promos. You have you know the, the, one of the best big men ever in the history of wrestling, one of the best talkers in the history of wrestling. Buddy Roberts, one of the best bumpers in the history of wrestling. And you got all these guys together and they've done all this and drawn you all this money, not just here, but they did it in New Orleans before they got here. And then you take over. And I mean, immediately, immediately you say, I'm disbanding this shit. What, 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 how was he not fired when he did? I just don't, I don't understand. I mean, let, let's, I'll play devil's advocate for a moment. You just gave all those accolades to, to the Freebirds. Maybe Scott takes over and they say, hey, we want more money. Scott says you ain't getting more money. That simple. I mean, we could, you know, hypothesize it, yeah, that it could have been a money situation, but that could go deeper than George Scott. He wasn't the one really handling the, the pay. I'm sure Jim Barnett had a hand in that as well. I'm sure if Michael Hayes went above his head and said, hey, Jim, you know what we've been doing for you. Give me a little extra cash. Does George Scott have the say? I mean, it's not I like mean, they get yeah, fired I mean, either, we, though. They're still part of the, could, the company. Yeah, we could put it at uh, Barnett's feet here also. But oh, I, it, it is very strange. I mean, but then again, the old adage is a lot of bookers want to use their guys and their ideas. I get it. I just don't understand leaving money on the table. And I'm not even saying, well, you know, he doesn't want the Freebirds there. Maybe he's not, you know, wanting to do a tag team deal right now with them. And he's wanting to split them up. It's almost like he's being paid a million dollars to see how fast he can sink this ship rather than slowly tell the story. It's like, boom, overnight almost. We just, you know, well, we're going to see it here happen very shortly, but I don't, Unless he's I don't going with the, uh, the the Jim Cornette theory, you know, if you don't go away, how do we miss you? Take them off TV for a little bit and then bring them back. Yeah, I won't even argue, even though I'm not a big fan of splitting up the birds here. I know what's going to happen, so it all works out for the short term anyway. But at the same time, I'm more, more or less I'm saying, why do it so abruptly? You're here now. You want it to make sense. Let's take a couple of Omni shows, you know, to get this thing in gear because there's really no backstory. No, I, I mean, once you... It took me a while to figure out exactly how the Freebirds all fall apart. I mean, we're, we're going to get to the bottom of the story sooner or later, right? Uh, Storyline-wise, but it, it just didn't. I understand what you're saying; it just didn't make sense. So, well, we're going to see what happens here very shortly. Uh, we'll go on right now. June the sixth, Columbus, Georgia Memorial Auditorium. It's Jerry Oates over at Jerry Mahoney, Ted DiBiase teaming with Tommy Rich. Look at these matches: Oates over Mahoney. DiBiase and Rich over at Tom Yancey and Rick Craven. This was originally scheduled to be the Freebirds, so I'm not sure what is going on here with Gordy, as Roberts is still on the card, as is Hayes. So we see Bruce Reed over Brian St. John, Ken Patero defeating Tommy Wright. It's Robert Gibson over Buddy Roberts. Jerry Oates wrestling double duty, unless it was supposed to be Ted, and this is a typo. Either way, it's an Oates boy over at Rick Link, and Ted DiBiase again defeating Michael Hayes, this time in Columbus, in a steel cage match, so they're making the rounds. They're finishing up the feud. We know what's going to happen with Michael Hayes, so he's going to do the jobs here to DiBiase in these cage matches. But very odd 
that Terry Gordy has been missing some uh, matches as of late. So you have to think there's some kind of an injury going on there. Well, he does have that history of a bad knee. So maybe it, it started a lot earlier than we uh, originally thought with that knee. Uh, interesting here. I never realized this. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But I started reading a some results for Savannah, Georgia on June the 7th. And I started reading the card, and I said, this is JCP talent. That doesn't make any sense to me. Now, I've never really been in Georgia. Uh, I, I've been through Georgia. I've never really paid attention where all the cities are, the geography of the state. So I did a little Google on the map, and I saw that Savannah actually borders South Carolina. So it all makes sense. Yes, it sense. does. Okay. And they so- got a hell of a speed trap right there. Because you're going, <laughs> you're allowed to do 75 in South Carolina. You cross that Georgia border, and all of a sudden, it's a 35 mile an hour on I-95. They're waiting for you. All right. So thank you, Jamie Ward. If I ever travel from South Carolina down to Savannah. Hmm. Man, what, what a drop that is. <laughs> you're telling me. Be care- careful driving through that town. Oh, I hate driving I, through Ohio, just some of the ups and downs, but nothing like that. And I'll never drive to Florida again, so I don't have to worry about going through Savannah. <laughs> if I go down there, I'm flying somewhere, and then I'll drive to Savannah. But I know to go nice and slow. But I discovered the whole JCP thing when I first started getting the magazines and I would chart the results, you know, write them down on pieces of paper, the wins and losses and stuff. And that caught my eye when they had a card posted for Savannah, Georgia, and it was all the mid-Atlantic guys. Yeah. This card, not a big card, uh, Jay Youngblood over Bill White, Don Kernodal over Charlie Fulton, Flair over Roddy Piper by count out. But I noticed they brought in Mr. Wrestling too who scores a win there over Harley Race in some way, shape, or form there in Savannah. So even though it was Crockett's promotion running the show, they still called up Wrestling 2, a Georgia mainstay, a guy they knew could probably draw locally. So it was pretty smart on them to use their normal uh, roster, but also at the same time bring in, you know, bring in a ringer for the Georgia territory. Hey, whatever makes business work. And going with two anywhere is a good move. I mean, look, Vince brought him back in 84. When he took over the Georgia TV spot. Yeah, he was there. He uh, he was one of the few that, that remained him, the spoiler. Uh, I believe there's somebody else I can't remember. Um, but yeah, there's a, there was a Les Thornton. I, I know a few of those guys still yeah. around. Yeah. And, the- and don't forget, too, had a manager license. So maybe he, he managed uh, oh, that manager one of license. these guys on his show also. It's possible. It's possible. Probably had his nice cardigan on. and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could For see For those that. that remember that back in February. I don't get this, pal. And that, that was the end of Wrestling 2's uh, managerial uh, run in the WWF. As we go on June the 8th, Augusta, Georgia, Bell Auditorium, Bruce Reed over the French Angel, Ricky Gibson going to a draw with Brian St. John. It's Paul Ellering over Tommy Wright, Mike Sharp defeating Ken Patera. Wow, that's correct. Just blows You know away. that was a DQ. There, there's no way Patera did a job. It had to be. Mike <laughs> well, you could have just ended the sentences, there's no way Patera did a job. And I would you could have left yeah. it there and I would have, I would have been fine. Also on the card, Tommy Rich defeating Freebird, Buddy Roberts, and again, Ted DiBiase scoring a win over Michael Peerless Sexy Hayes in Augusta. As we roll on, and now this one catches me off guard because we got a Columbus, Georgia result on June the 6th, but we also have one on June the 10th, so I'm not sure if this is accurate or not, Um, or at least the cities, if they're accurate or not, I should say. As um, June the 10th, again, it says Columbus, Georgia here. Uh, Bruce Reed over Brian St. John. It says by DQ. So Reed well, the came. sixth would have been a TV taping. Oh, well, that would have. Well, that's a pretty big card for a TV taping, no? Yeah, that's a cage match. Well, that was probably the dark match out of it, but they probably did. Maybe they did two hours that night. 
Did they run two shows that night on the sixth? They were in Moultrie, Georgia, Moultrie. The city gym, Chattanooga. Okay, so, so I got so like three, three shows. Here. Yeah, it was definitely the TV taping, and then they then they split off. Maybe part of those results from Columbus are wrong. Yeah, it's it's possible. Like oh, I said, from the first the, show, I don't know if the cities, you know, are correct or, or whatever the case may be. There, Columbus normally doesn't run a house show on Saturdays, so that we we know that much for sure. Um, but they move on June the tenth. Here we got Columbus, Georgia Memorial Auditorium. Bruce Reed over Brian St. John by DQ. So Bruce can't even score a win over St. John at this point. Robert Gibson over Paul Ellering on a countout. It's Steve O defending his national title, I assume, scoring a win over Jerry Oates. Mike Sharp over Kim Patera. Here it is by DQ. So you have to think that the uh, same result on the other house show we, we were talking about where you said, no way Patera did the job. I'm assuming it was DQ both nights. I would definitely agree with that. Okay. And in the main event, here we go, Columbus, Georgia, guys. June the 10th, Ted DiBiase and Tommy Rich defeat the team of Michael Hayes and Buddy Roberts in a loser-leaves-town match. Loser of the fall must leave the territory. And outside of a handful of matches, Buddy basically disappears from wrestling for the next year and a half until the Freebirds arrive in Dallas. Buddy probably just needed a break by this point. He's probably wrestling... Full-time, what, since the late 60s? Well, you know, the story goes that he was all but retired or retired when Bill Watts called him up and said, I need somebody right. to fill in this Freebirds role. And that's the only thing that brought him back out of basically retirement or a, about to retire at that point. So Buddy is, you know, a couple of years into a, a run that he never even expected to have. And he'll continue to wrestle for several more years. But yeah, he's going to take some some time off here. Uh, very shortly, but he's not done yet. He's still here for the moment, guys. A few more matches, I do believe, as we move on. So, Buddy Roberts, we see maybe it's going to make the rounds. We'll have to wait and see what happens here. But June the 11th, Marietta, Georgia, the Cobb County Civic Center, Jim Duggan defeating Tommy Wright, Mike Sharp over the French Angel, Ken Patera defeating Ricky Gibson, Tommy Rich over Brian St. John, and oh boy, here we go, Jamie. Ted DiBiase and Steve-O defeat the fabulous Freebirds, Michael Hayes and Buddy Roberts, to win the National Tag Team Championship. Now, I know you're going to make some kind of a defense here, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm fine with that. But after everything that team has done for this territory, all the money they've made Jim Barnett, everything they've done, how over they've been, all the great TV they've given us, all the great angles they've given us, they lose the titles in Marietta without even as much as a buildup. Well, Michael Hayes is a team player. Well, and probably I've, heard, I've heard him called a lot of things. A team player was never been one of them, but okay. But <laughs> the birds and George Scott or Barnett, because we really don't know, must have really had a big falling out at this point. Something happened. I mean, and, I assume and, something happened. And Buddy said, listen, I'm done. I've, I've had enough of this. Like you just said, they drug him back in over a year or so ago. And now he he's just had enough. Hayes probably figures, you know what? I can't get through to this knucklehead George Scott or him and Barnett just aren't getting along anymore. So let's just drop the titles because both are basically gone. I mean, we're not going to see Hayes or we definitely don't see Buddy, but we're not going to see Hayes again really after this either. Not for a little bit. No. Yeah. The birds are going to be gone for a little, a little for, bit of time here. It's, Hayes is gone for a good month or so at the, now. Yeah. It seems like, well, yeah, some, roughly it seems like the perfect time for Buddy Roberts to get out, I suppose, because Terry Gordy is clearly something's going on with him, a knee injury or whatever the case may be, but Gordy's out for a little bit here, as we already know. 
Michael Hayes and Buddy Roberts have dropped the titles. Uh, Buddy Roberts has already started the Loser Leaves Town matches around the horn or whatever the case may be. So, and we don't, they weren't even on TV the very first time that George Scott took over. And if you remember, I questioned why they weren't on TV the last time when Robley was still supposed to be the booker, even though Watts was there. So the birds weren't even there for that TV. So maybe something was going on deeper than just the booker at this point in time. Yeah, maybe they were on some kind of TV suspension. You know what you're missing most important about that title change, right? That makes Mr. Personality a tri-champion. Because oh not only is he now the national tag team champion, oh boy, he's the national heavyweight champion, and, and he never lost the Georgia Junior Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, you're right. And let's not forget, he even held that TV title for a little bit, so he's he's like held everything. But but he had three current titles <laughs> yes, going. He, at the yes, same he's time. currently technically a tri champion. Yes, you're you're correct. Yes, yes. Mr. Personality. Thank you for bringing that up, Jamie Ward. As uh, we continue on to the following day, TV tapings, June the 13th, Atlanta, Georgia, TBS Studios. And here we go again. We kick things off with an interesting turn of events as Gordon Sully stands by to tell us the new number one contender for Harley Race's NWA title. That You write in and you add, you tell us who you want to meet, the World Heavyweight Wrestling Champion. Over 10,000 letters poured in, and the overwhelming choice, I might add, was in fact the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. That's right. Dusty Rhodes will be meeting the World Heavyweight Wrestling Champion, and he is on hand right now to sign that particular contract. So let's move over to this desk, and uh, Dusty... First of all, congratulations, and let me at this time introduce the matchmaker who will be signing the contract here with Dusty Rhodes, uh, George Scott, and certainly uh, quite an occasion for all of us. This is fantastic, uh, Gordon, and, uh, you know, the matches and uh, all the mail come in, and uh, Dusty uh, won the vote, and so now he gets to wrestle the uh, champion. And, Dusty, there's some small print down here, and I want you to look at it before you sign this thing, and uh, and I think it's probably to your liking, and I'll give it to you here. And, uh, let me tell you, Gordon, Dusty Rose is going to sign this thing. This is the most important. You got one more here. Important I got another one here, Jack. This is the most important time in Dusty Rose's life right here today because Dusty Rose has been world's heavyweight champion, vowed never to do it again. And now it's come around full circle. And the fine print I kind of know about right there. So that's why I went ahead and signed it. Holler Race is the one that's got to worry about the fine print. Here, I'll give you this, Gordon. Maybe you can... All right, I might just point out that... Uh... It says uh, a couple of things that I think are of uh, interesting note uh, in this uh, uh, signing of this contract. The welfare of each contestant is his own personal responsibility. It will not be assumed by the promoter or any other person directly or indirectly involved with this contest. It has been signed, in fact, by Harley Race and by Dusty Rhodes and by George Scott, the sanctioning official. Let me read now the fine print that we're talking about. The championship will change hands in the event of a disqualification. And the financial agreement for this match indicates winner take all. Now, Dusty, that means it's all or nothing. Well, God, you know, it's always been, uh, all my life, it's been all or nothing. It's either been uh, shooting for the moon or shooting for the dream. Uh, I'm trying to be something that I am. Joyce Scott, I've known for a long time, matchmaker. Uh, the great athlete is on right. He knows what it is to really shoot for something. This is my time. This is the main event. This is the final hour of Harley Race. This is my time. This qualification, you can't run, you can't hide, you can't do nothing. But I want to say something to the people most of all because it means so much to me. There is a love between me and my wrestling fan like no man has ever had. And I knew the day would come 
when I could bring it home to you. And I'm going to bring it home to you. Because the dream loves you, baby. And it's going to happen. Dusty Rose is going to be World Heavyweight Champion. So Gordon tells us that the NWA asked us, the fans, Jamie, to write in and tell them who we wanted to see challenge Harley Race for the NWA world title. And with over 10,000 votes, no, it wasn't Tommy Rich, wasn't Ted DiBiase. Instead, it was the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. The fans have answered with the American Dream. Now, I don't know about that. Over 10,000 votes. Hmm. And immediately, we pan over to see a suit-wearing Dusty Rhodes and matchmaker George Scott. That didn't take long to get himself on TV. They're sitting at a table there. Dusty won the vote, and he signs the contract for a world title shot versus Harley. And then they talk about some fine print, if you will, which states the title can change hands on a disqualification. It is indeed winner take all. As Dusty there, we heard him, he thanked the fans and promises to bring it home, baby, if you will. I just wish that the full shows were still out there to find out when this supposed vote took place. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going I'm to say that this was never announced before now. I could be wrong, but I don't know. Because here a guy wins with 10,000 votes who hasn't appeared on Georgia Championship <laughs> Wrestling in two months. Since he, what, he wrestled Don Carson? or I think he's been there since then, but not too, not too much. Yeah, Don Carson was really the last match. I mean, I'd have to go back and, and look, but Dusty has been really of no importance in the last two months yeah, in I Georgia. I think he worked a couple of a Columbus, Ohio shows, but he certainly wasn't coming and headlining the Omni. The Omni. Maybe. Right. We're, we're appearing on TV. Right. And so now I have never heard, but maybe you have. When was the decision to put the title on Dusty? I'm assuming the whole Ric Flair Dusty title changes were decided at the same time. Have you ever heard when they this, decided all this? This particular win for Dusty, you mean? Yes. This particular win for Dusty uh, and that, you I, know, Flair was coming up in a few months. I've never heard anything definitive, but I heard it was very shortly uh, before the, the, this, obviously this TV taping here on June the 13th. I, I want to say it happened after Robley had the book and obviously it had nothing to do with Georgia or Buck Robley uh, being involved. But I, I feel like when I was uh, doing research on the world title changes quite a while ago, and I don't have a, I don't have a date pinpointed or anything like that. So I can't verify this, but I believe it was, Within a week or a week and a half from when this aired, was my understanding. Okay. Well, was it done at a convention or? Well, we're in Telegram. So I, that I don't know. That I, I don't know okay. how the, all the shenanigans went down with that. Uh, very because curious. we found out through the Buck Robley thing with the uh, the one guy from the office that mm -hmm. the Tommy Rich change wasn't really approved. It was just done. And we kind of always I, assume I, that because I would Crockett assume the was NWA the, the NWA uh, approved this one. Oh, yeah. I have no doubt. Yeah, th this was definitely something that was, uh, you know, agreed upon, discussed, and maybe they were just throwing Dusty a bone, too. I don't really know the whole situation behind it uh, without going back and doing some uh, real research on it again. But I have uh, 100% uh, that, that this was, you know, certainly planned. I mean, they're announcing it here on TV, basically building it up. He has to win the belt at this point, or otherwise there's no point for this, this entire segment. Off the top of your head, mm -hmm. does Dusty ever get acknowledged in... Um... Middle Atlantic as the world champion. I don't believe so. I don't, I believe that. Okay. I, I don't believe, uh, 
I don't, I don't know without, you know, the footage isn't out there. I was thinking this is 82 for some reason for a second. And that's why I was like, oh, we can figure this out pretty fast. But no, I, I mean, without the footage, I can't say for sure. Okay, because I, I know for a fact, that, or not fact, but I've been told that Don Owens never acknowledged the title change in Portland. Fritz never acknowledged the title change in world class. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I mean, I, obviously the title change was in Florida because he did title defenses there in St. Louis, Central States. But I don't remember him ever hearing that it was actually acknowledged in mid, Mid-Atlantic until right before Flair won the belt. But I guess it would have been stupid not to when you have TBS and they're right oh, next that, door to yeah, each that's, other. That's a very good point. Yeah, with the with the cable station, you can't really ignore it forever. The only thing I can come up with for certain promoters is we were we were talking about that too. We were they were discussing that that it was up to the promoters how they wanted to handle a world title change. And my only guess could be that they knew when he was winning it and they knew when he was losing it, so they felt maybe there was no reason to even announce it since he wasn't going to be coming to their territory in between. I guess it would make Harley look weaker when they bring him back because he just lost the belt. So I I don't know. I'm just, you know, again, just throwing stuff against the wall. But yeah, and this is just something that just popped in my head. No, that's all. I just thought I'd bring it up. Yeah. uh, So we roll on with the TV here. Some of the matches I'm going to look at real quick. Brian St. John and the French Angel over Ted Oates and Tommy Wright. Ken Patera scoring a win over Jay Winder. Not familiar with him. Tommy Rich teaming with Bruce Reed this week, scoring a win over... Ed Timms and Jim Nelson, the future Boris Zukov. And then up next, another feat of strength this week involving Ken Patera. Now, we already know just how strong he is on the outside, Jamie. So this week, Kenny going to prove how strong he is on the inside, going to literally use his lungs to blow up a hot water bottle. And this feat of strength, all about brains, willpower, and of course, his lungs. Right now, here's a quick excerpt from that soundbite to blow up a uh, hot water bottle. My point out, and we won't get into commercialism here, but this particular hot water bottle has a four-year guarantee on it. And uh, I have brought it out here for Mr. Patera to attempt. I'm going to blow this hot water bottle up, Gordon, until it explodes. All right. You know, a lot of people say, well, what does a hot water bottle have to do with strength? It doesn't show power. It doesn't show... The muscularity, this proves to everybody out there that Ken Patera is in tremendous shape. The cardiovascular condition is every bit as important as any other part of your body. Of course, the main essential thing is right here, what's between your ears, and Patera's got it all, it's quite obvious. This makes the body do feats of strength, which other people might try, but they never accomplish. I haven't done this for quite a while. A lot of people ask me, well, Ken, do something that we don't see every day. And that's what I'm trying to bring to championship wrestling. Some people might have seen this done before. This is a new type of water bottle that's uh, reinforced with nylon threads. It's much, much more difficult than the old rubber style. New technology has made it much tougher. Well, as I said, of course, on the box it says a four-year guarantee, and we're going to find out whether Mr. Patera can uh, uh, destroy that guarantee before it ever gets started here. Glasses to protect thighs. Don't I look sexy, huh? Huh? All right. He's got that to a monstrous size now. How much more of that he can do, I don't know. 
He has to be facing tremendous back. Huh? You like it, huh? Well, it's obviously a tremendous recommendation for not smoking as well, I would say. That's right. If somebody wants to accomplish this, stay out of the stinky, smoky bars and go to the gymnasium like Campatera does, and you will become as great as I, perhaps, someday. Well, there you have it. Truly an amazing feat of strength again by uh, Ken Ventura. And certainly good words, too. The cardiovascular system is critically essential to you, no matter uh, what form of athletics or no matter what your uh, position. So there it is, Patera using a nylon-threaded bottle rather than the old rubber type, he says, making it even harder to blow up. Uh, and Patera puts on those safety glasses, and away he goes, begins blowing up that hot water bottle. A little bit of a PSA there. You know, he doesn't hang out in the smoky bars. He goes, you know, he takes care of himself in the gym. I'm sure Kim Patera was, you know, he looked great, but I'm so sure I could see Kim Patera just hanging out and, and drinking milk. Um, but no, in, in all seriousness, yeah, he, he says his prayers and takes his vitamins and lives takes, life the right way. He certainly he just, takes similar vitamins to Hulk Hogan. But, you, you know, his favorite saying, when if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. But I can tell you what, these feats of strength that he's doing, I think they were legit. I don't think they were worked. I think it was all legit stuff, because especially with this hot water bottle one, I was looking for like maybe a pin in the hand. Well, or something. That's, that's what I was going to get to next was uh, I believe most of these feats of strength are indeed 100% legitimate. I don't know about, like you said before, I don't know about holding the van back, you know, up against the wall. I know know that people have done that. I don't know how often you're going to try to get away with that, you know, and, and, uh, you know, risk uh, life and limb. I don't know if any of them you ever did, because he did that in a few areas, and maybe some of them never even made it to, you know, they're not on tape, I don't know. But I don't know that any of them I ever saw seemed 100% legitimate. But my problem, the only problem I've ever had with any of his feats of strength Outside of that, you know, TNT deal with the, with holding the van back and Vince McMahon getting his foot stuck, you know, on the gas or whatever. My only problem was the hot water bottle because when I first saw it on the Coliseum video, it looked as if to me. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. Go back and watch it. I don't even remember. It might be on the biggest, smallest, strangest, strongest, but it's on one of the Coliseum videos. Might be on. I don't think it's on the Kimbatera story. But I swear, the first time I saw it as a kid, I'm like, what is he doing with his hand? It looks like he pops the water bottle with, with a pin. It looks like he's holding something in his hand. He does a little little shenanigan with his hand, and boom, it pops. Now, I'm not saying he didn't blow it up, because he did. But, I mean, actually blow it up, I don't know. So I was looking for that here. I said, was he able to do it back in 81? Because I, I, it looked like he gimmicked it in the WWF. And the first couple times I watched it here, I didn't see anything. And the last time I was, eh, I'm, I'm still the jury's out, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm in agreement with you right now that I think this time it was legit. But I encourage everybody... Anybody that knows how to find it on the, the WWF version, I feel like you can pretty much tell he's holding a pin in his hand with his thumb and his index finger, and he does pop it. So I hate to, you know, ru- spoil it. For I'll anybody. agree with you on the WWF one. I thought he used a pin on that. Okay. But on this one, it kind of breaks at the end of it. Not, it, it didn't break on the side. It, it kind of burst on the end. I mean, Gordon's lucky that there was really nothing inside that bottle because it would have shot out and hit him. Oh, well, I, I'm not doubting that he couldn't have done it, even if he used a gimmick here. I mean, I, more of a safety precaution than anything. At least he knows when and, it's going to explode by using use the gimmick. It, it got past me anyway. Okay. Not that I'm the sharpest tool in the shed, but <laughs> uh, it, it got past me. This really looked legit to me. It's the same thing with, with the other feats of strength that he's doing on the Georgia show. They They all look pretty legit. He missed a couple of house shows, but he's back. We haven't seen him since the Omni. I'm talking about Bruiser Brody. 
So last week it was Paul Ellering. This week going to be Bruiser Brody invading the space of one Gordon Soley. Guess who's back? Yeah, you ain't run me off no superstation or out of no George either. Let me tell you something. I made it real clear, and I mean real clear, that when you sent that great, big, fat, stinking butcher in the ring with me, that I'd kick his behind all over the building. I'd beat him with chairs and garbage cans and anything else that took. And I did. I want to make sure everybody looking at me right now, including you and everybody else, knows my friend Black Jack Mulligan. Here he is. Let me tell you something about Mulligan. I'm going to tear his ears off, rip off his eyes, and I'm going to tear him all over that Omni. And if there's anybody sitting in the Omni or anywhere else thinks it ain't going to happen, you're nuts. All right, at the Omni on the 21st, this man will meet Black Jack I want Jack you to Mulligan take a good look at Black Jack Mulligan. I don't want there to be no doubts in your mind, your mind, or anybody else's mind. When I get done with Mulligan, I'm going to run him just like I ran the butcher. So here's a visual for you guys. Brody is out there with a giant stuffed toy dog with a cowboy hat on it, referring to it as Black Jack Mulligan. He begins ripping the ears, the eyes, the head off of this stuffed animal touching on how he disposed of Abdullah the Butcher at the Omni the last time out. And now, it's Blackjack's turn. Talk about a change in pace. I think I would have stuck with that Bruce Reed story. But Brody then begins ripping the stuffed animal completely apart as he returns again. Uh, Gordon Sully thought he had been done with him. He returns and finishes ripping up that that stuffed animal there, or uh, a.k.a. Blackjack Mulligan. Yeah, another entertaining uh, Brody segment. Brody was definitely one of a kind. I mean, it, his Georgia stuff has just been pure gold since he got here on on all these interviews. And we're going to see uh, Brody for, you know, spoiler, for a little bit yet. He's not going anywhere. No, he's not. And uh, we're going to see him next in the ring. Bruiser Brody, after that promo, after destroying that stuffed blackjack, Brody hits the ring and defeats poor Rick Stone before we go off now to a promo. A VTR actually is not in the studio of Brody's upcoming opponent at the Omni. Here we go with Black Jack Mulligan. Well, 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 and we got something else. Big, tough Bruiser Brody. Big man's over six foot tall, weighs about 300 pounds, goes around the country beating up kids, old ladies, anybody else that can't handle themselves. You know something, Brody, the problem with you is that you ain't got the right thing put on you yet. You ain't made, met the right person. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something right now. I've known this boy for a long time. He's been rotten all the way from the beginning. He used to play football in high school down there, and I'm going to tell you something. He was so hated, he was so rotten and so stinking, that he's the only man in the history of football that his teammates made him dress with the opposing team. Filthy man. Now, Brody, we're getting right down to the facts, the bare facts. This thing has been going to happen all across the world. Every time the match is booked, I don't care if it's in Kansas City, I don't care if it's in New York, you decide to hightail it. And I got something for you, Brody. No matter what city it is, what town it is, it's going to be a battle of the giants. Oh, no doubt, you're a tough man. You can go out back behind the Rock Inn at 2 a.m. in Sweetwater and whoop everybody in Sweetwater. But, brother, I was out of town. And I'm going to guarantee the people one thing, wherever this match takes place, it makes no difference. There's going to be some teeth knocked out. There's going to be somebody busted up. There's going to be somebody hurt. Now, Brody, you've been running roughshod over everybody. 
But now you've got some competition. I'm as big as you are, and we're going to find out if I'm as tough as you are. So it makes no difference to me. Beat up anybody you want to. Get some practice. Go out behind the board. Go out behind the board and hit yourself over the head with some Jim Beam bottles. Get some two-by-fours, because that's what it's going to be like. It's going to be excitement, pandemonium, people foaming at the mouth. Because somebody is going down, brother, and it makes no difference to me as long as it's you. So Black Jack Mulligan referring to Brody as a filthy man who beats on kids and old ladies and anyone that gets in his way, at least people he can handle, uh, says Brody is a former college football player, but he was so nasty that he had to change with the opposing team. Mulligan claiming every time they have a match signed, Brody seems to leave town, but not this time. The match will go down, and it will go down at the Omni. But the catch here is, Mulligan actually, if, if you listen close, says, I don't know where this match is going to take place. <laughs> well, that's that's, that's, that's so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm guessing here they use this as a generic interview in both Knoxville and and for the Omni. And maybe they took this to uh, some other place also. Uh, you're, you know, you and caught that. I, I didn't reuse, catch that. I just knew yeah, it was just, coming to the just Omni. So the interview. I just never paid attention. So I'm glad you caught that, Jamie. That's that's pretty funny. Actually, I'll, I'll have to go back and watch that now. Because you, yeah, you, because you I think this up. is from the. Uh, it's been a while since I saw this. It, it's from the Knoxville set, isn't it? Oh my God, I'd have to go back and see. It's yeah, I, it has and, to be because it has, has that the NWA green screen with gimmick. That, yeah, has a, a um, the funny looking gimmick, the background thing. Yeah. So yeah, good call there. But Blackjack Mulligan and Bruiser Brody kind of go down in the Omni upcoming. So uh, just another big man thrown in the uh, face of Bruiser Brody. We're gonna see how he handles that task. Uh, but we go on, Jamie. And uh, we already talked about this. We do indeed have new national tag team champions. The fabulous Freebirds, no longer the champs, guys. Just two days ago, we talked about it. June the 11th, Marietta, Georgia. The birds were dethroned. And if you guys were guessing, if you didn't already know, we could say they were dethroned by the team of Ted DiBiase. And no, not the junkyard dog. Nope. Not even Tommy Rich. Wait, did you guys say Bruce Reed? Well, not a bad guess, but you'd be wrong. Instead, Ted DiBiase standing by right now with his new tag team partner, the new tag team champions, dual champion. Oh, you made it a point to mention tri-champion. It's Ted DiBiase, tri-champion. It's Ted DiBiase standing by with Mr. Personality, Steve-O. The Omni in Atlanta, the Georgia tag team champion, Steve-O and Ted DiBiase facing the world tag team champions, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Ori and Gene Anderson. And what a tremendous confrontation this is going to be. Right, Gordon, you know, when you talk about testing somebody's ability and somebody's skill, you know, Steve and I have been together for a short time. We've got these Georgia belts. We beat a team that had these belts for a long time, but to go ahead and go in the ring and go up against the world tag team champions and everybody in this area and everybody watching this TV station knows that Ole and Gene Anderson, they call them the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, and we, we both know what they're capable of doing, but we're not going into it blind, and we're going in there to prove to everybody against the best that we can be the best. And, you know, Ted and I, I think we're starting a new force in professional wrestling, a force that's going to have to be reckoned with. We have a style, we have the integrity, we have the fortitude to go out and take whatever it has to take to be and successful, we like and do. we are successful. Certainly no question about that. Ted DiBiase and Steve-O. Well, he didn't sound the part, but I'll give him credit. Steve-O at least looked at the camera this week, and he, he cut a, a, a believable promo to some degree. Oh, that was the most fired up he's ever been. Tommy Rich must have been really proud. Somebody say something about Steve-O. Absolutely this week. So. 
<laughs> you you got to feel sorry for DiBiase now at this point. All these months, what, six months feud with the Freebirds? And it's just kind of an, an afterthought. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the blow off? Absolutely. It's, it's really unfortunate. They switched that, ca- I, you know, switched the cage match on him. And he winds up wrestling, I think it was Nikolai or something like that, who they, were, they didn't even have a story going on. It was just kind of an afterthought right. thrown on the card. Oh, well, he was in one of the main events in a cage, but no, now he's on the mid card working Nikolai Volkov. And that was pretty much the end of that. No, no more. I mean, outside of these other house shows, he's getting to do with uh, Michael Hayes. He is, that's pretty much it. And, and Ted must have seen his uh, his time was uh, just about up also. Oh, absolutely. He's going to go on to do much bigger things in the Mid-South not too many months after this, though. So I'm sure he's looking forward to that anyway. I'm sure Bill Watts already had a conversation with him. Hey, just ride it out. You told him you'd be there through, what is it, August or something like that. And, uh, you know, we'll bring you back and we'll be good to go. Yeah, and he has to be, you know, inside. If, if it's, it is a true story that he was you know, sent here so he could get a, a short run with the NWA title, which Dusty ends up getting. It's got to be eating him out on the inside at this point, knowing we're just about to have big things happen and he's not going to be part of it. Right. So uh, now it's Steve-O and Ted DiBiase taking on the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Ole and Gene Anderson, the World Tag Team Champions at the Omni. And I wrote, so this feels like it could be a quick transitional title reign. That would make sense. A way to get the belts on the Andersons. but. We'll just have to wait and see what really happens. And how about that? Steve-O, I wrote two titles, but you made it clear. I guess it's technically three titles. Yeah, and I'm wearing you down. You gave him his proper title, Mr. Personality. Oh, yeah. Uh, that certainly fits. I- I'll go along with that. Uh, we-, we go to the ring. It is the new national tag team champions, Ted DiBiase and Steve-O, scoring a win here over the duo of Doug and John Gillum, are apparently brothers. I'm not familiar with them. Are you? No, I'm not, but no, it, it can't be. I was going to say, I, I thought Eddie Gilbert had a good friend named John Gillum. Well, that I don't in, know. In real, in real life. I think there was a Tony Gillum that was a ring announcer or something like that for WCW, but I don't know. There was a Tony Gillum. I, I might have the wrong name. I met the guy in like 89, 90 in Memphis. Okay. Might have been right. even earlier than that, but uh, I digress. Go ahead, Dre. I'm sorry. No, you're you're fine. I, I don't know uh, Jamie Ward name dropping people he's hung out with, uh, but that's okay. I will <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giving you crap, Jamie. Well, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not familiar with the that name. That was not I, an intentional <laughs> name drop. You, you'll know when I intentional name drop. <laughs> yeah, you just cut the show off. Hey, somebody say oh, something. Well, hey, all right. Okay, you're going to force me now. TR and I. Oh, no. Yes, it's a TR story. It's a Tom Robinson story. We'll be here for an hour. He calls me up like at 5 o'clock in the afternoon and says, Hey, WWF's in Baltimore. Why don't we ride down to... Baltimore and just go right to the hotel and see who we can meet up with afterwards. Well, the one guy that we, or two guys that we meet up with are Ted DiBiase and Virgil. And Tom tries to, to big time them and calls Virgil soul train. Oh, they wow. just blew us off, got in the elevator and left. Wow. Yeah. I could, I could see that, <laughs> see that happening. Yeah. That's not, hey, you know, my, it's a little too smart for your own good there, Tom. Yeah, well, Tom was probably about 10 in because I drove, so he drank on the way down. <laughs> Imagine you, that. You, you know how all that ends sooner or later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> certainly. Um, but the uh, here, here we go. And, go. and we drove home that night. We didn't even stay. Well, that was really worth it. That was just a quick line of, hey, Soul Train. That was pretty much the end of the, the entire venture. <laughs> that, that was worth the, that was the, worth the ride. I hope he paid for the gas, but what am I saying? It was Tom. 
Of course, it was top. What do you, what do you think happened? <laughs> okay, back. To, we'll come back to 1981. Good story, Jamie. Thanks for cutting us off and doing that. I needed that. <laughs> just, you asked for it. You got it. I got it. So uh, we got Ted DiBiase and Soul Train Steve-O here over the team of Doug and John Gillum. Gilliam, maybe it is. Uh, Mike Sharp scoring a win here over Jackie Lawson. Lots of, you know, for months we had all of the familiar names, the Mike Jacksons and things of that nature coming through here. Ken Timms and guys like that. Now I'm reading con- uh, lots of names I've never even, I'm not even familiar with. I, I haven't seen their names pop up ever in, in some of the results uh, as as prelim guys. So as, as job guys here in Georgia or any other territory. So lots of that going on in the last several weeks as well. Well, I guess they're going a little a little cheaper on the uh, enhancement talent right now. Yeah, got to cut cut costs, I suppose, baby. Got to got to get the uh, Mac and Dream ready for his world title fiat, if you will. Because the world title is going to be everything. You can't have anything else that's going to be too hot at the same time. No, not even your enhancement, apparently. No, you <laughs> nobody. There's another reason why we haven't seen Tommy Rich doing much on TV or the fabulous Freebirds here at all. Dusty Rhodes got to take care of business, baby. TCB. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't have a full show from June 6th, but do we even know if they covered Tommy Richbeat and um, Hayes in the cage? Well, we don't know that. I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not certain, but Tommy was not really uh, the focal point of the show from the results and information I do have, which is just yeah, but, and, mind-boggling. And we really haven't seen much. Of, I mean, we're about to see Tommy, but he's not getting fired up. No, he doesn't seem to be fired up for the last couple of weeks here, and he doesn't really have a reason to be at the moment though he is the former NWA world champion at this point. So he's still riding high and that Buzz Sawyer stuff right around the corner as well. But for right now, we saw at the top of the show, Dusty Rhodes out there in a suit, a three-piece suit. Dust, well, I guess it was a three-piece suit. Dusty out there signing some contracts, getting ready for that NWA world title shot with Harley Race. But now he's back. And this time he's dressed to work. Got his uh, wrestling clothes on, baby. Here we go. We got another promo here in hour number two from the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. I'm going to make sure I'm there to see Dusty Rhodes going after Harley Race in the world title. There's got a lot more to be said about Harley Race and Dusty Rhodes in the world's heavyweight title. It is all on the line. It's come down to this, the main event, the final hour. Harley Race, the people wanted it. I will never let the people in Atlanta down. I will never step back from Harley Race in this event because they called it, they wanted it, they named it, and baby, as long as I'm walking, the dream loves you, and remember that. They're going to be there yelling, screaming louder than they ever did before because this is the final hour for Harley Race. His final minute, his final second, because Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, on the 21st of the Omni, will be world. Now dressed to wrestle Dusty Rhodes, a completely different character from the man we saw at the top of the program. Now he's in uh, wrestling mode and cutting that uh, very familiar American Dream style promo we all know and love. He said the fans wanted it and they gonna get it. June 21st at the Omni, we're going to see a new world heavyweight champion. And Paul Ellering said he was a visionary. Somehow Dusty uh, predicted that was going to happen. Speaking of Paul Ellering, where the hell did he go? After that auspicious debut last week, He's nowhere to be found this week. It's on a planet Love Tron or something right now. <laughs> he's a meteorologist. He can tell the he'll weather. He'll be back if I, if I remember correctly going forward. He's going to come back, not for very long, but we're going to see Paul at least one, one more time, I think. Okay. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't recall off the top of my head. I've been doing so much research for Memphis and UWF and the WWF and Georgia, and it all runs together a little bit for me sometimes. 
Uh, but uh, so Dusty Rhodes cuts a very spirited promo there as he heads to the ring to score a win over Ricky Harris, the future Black Barton boy. Dusty must have loved wrestling Ricky Harris because uh, he, or he loved Ricky Harris because he seemed to use him wherever he went. He eventually brings him to Florida when Dusty takes over the booking Crockett, he brings Black Bart along with him there as well. So Dusty seemed to keep him around. He, he must have enjoyed him. Maybe just the gimmick or the way he said dad gum in every sentence he spoke. I don't know. And this isn't the only time on TBS that he beats Ricky Harris. No, it's not. He seems to wrestle him quite often. I, I, I mean, after Dusty wins a belt, I think he wrestles him on TV and uh, going into 82 or 83. And let's be um, serious with right the Black before Bart Before he becomes gimmick. Black Bart. Yeah. Well, let's be serious with the Black Bart gimmick. Does, does that not scream a Dusty Rhodes character? Does that not scream something that Dusty would have came up with just so basic? So, but but it's it, it worked because Dusty came up with it. Oh, yeah. you, you black ball, Absolutely. baby. We're going to put you in a black, 10-gallon yeah, black hat. Cough, 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 the, the only problem was that everybody had seen Rick Harris on TV. Oh, yeah. Uh, quite a bit. He had been but, in Crockett. When he changed, I mean, he did Mid-South, too. Yeah. Yeah, he'd been around. I mean, he was a good hand, Black Bart was. But a lot of people, I mean, at least at that time, it was still fresh in a lot of people's mind, even your non-smart fan, just your regular fan. Hey, that's Rick Harris. What What's going on here? Yeah, it shattered my world I when mean, he was in Global. Yeah. And they, they made him shave his, his his shoot job because he was just working Global at that point, so he I wasn't really paying the bills, I guess. But uh, his shoot job forced, I don't remember what it was, but they forced him to, he couldn't have a beard. And so he just had that mustache, and it just, just wasn't the same, watching Black Bart without <laughs> that beard in the GWF on ESPN. But just, I always enjoyed, uh, got a kick out of him. Dad gummit. I acted one of my favorite Black Bart stuff is when he's with uh, what was the name? Uh, Dead Eye Dick and oh yeah, Moondog Rex. Yeah, and, and yeah, uh, Moondog Dutch. Rex and, and Dutch and, and Dutch. Yeah, the three of those guys together there in WCW with yeah. ninety one, ninety two. I thought they were pretty entertaining. Yeah, looking for Stan Hansen. What a, what a bunch of vignettes. I don't know what they spent on all of that, but they never did find them. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we continue on here in Georgia. Wildfire Tommy Rich on the show, not cutting a promo, but rather simply wrestling a squash match here, scoring a win over Jose Medina. And then we continue on. Six-man tag team action. Ted DiBiase, Steve-O, and Bruce Reed teaming up to defeat the team of Ted Allen, Big Jim Duggan, and Ed Brewston. I believe I'm pronouncing that as uh, appropriately. Yeah, I, I, don't know that, I don't know that name at all, but we got three matches in a row with name enhancement talent. I mean... Jose Medina uh, was around a good while. Right, yeah. And then the same with Ted Allen. Oh, yeah. Ted Allen, uh, one of the, uh, he did like a nightmare gimmick. Trade, trained right. uh, Arn Anderson. May have trained other guys I can't think of off the top of my head. But yeah, Ted, Ted Allen's been around the block. Yeah. So that concludes this edition of Georgia Championship Wrestling. The Freebirds, they lose the tag team titles. Buddy Roberts, we talked about it, on his way out of Georgia. And there's just... Nothing here this week. Nothing happens on TV this week. And I know this isn't the end of the Freebirds here in Georgia, but it is the end of Buddy Roberts for all intents and purposes. Just feels abrupt. It felt weird to me how quickly they just disband. We didn't get some big blow off because of everything they've done. It's like if you had Hulk Hogan in your territory or, or the WWF, and then just he was just gone without any explanation whatsoever. But yeah. what happened to our top draw? And, you know, you, you don't have to throw Hulk Hogan in there, but just any top name and any the JYD, if he had left Mid-South and didn't appear anywhere, we didn't know he went to the WWF. And Bill Watts didn't use that, uh, you know, nonsensical line about dog. He just mentally broke down. He couldn't take it anymore in the competition. He went where things were easier. If it was just never mentioned, 
people would have been, where the hell did the dog go? And that's the way it is here right. for me with the Freebirds. Like, what the hell just happened? I mean, at least they could do. If you you remember the, the Jimmy Valiant interview where <laughs> Big I, Mama was after they, they no after like they <laughs> okay. shaved his head and he's sitting there by himself and he's like, oh, the boogeyman feel my oh, feeling low, yeah, boogie boogie. Yeah. They, they could have did that with Michael Hayes, just had him sitting there, you know, just with a wad of cash. Hey, I still got my ten thousand dollars. Remember, I don't, I don't have the belts. Oh, that's right, the buddy, bounty just disappeared buddy, too. Buddy's gone and. I don't know where Terry is, and uh, uh, I don't know what the next move is for the Fabulous Freebird. Yeah, I totally forgot that the bounty angle. Yeah, that's just completely obliterated, too. So Tommy Rich has nothing going for him. Nothing really happens this week on TV at all. They're not really doing much of anything other than they acknowledge that Ted DiBiase and Steve-O are the new tag team champions. They announce a couple of Omni matches. We know Mulligan's going to take on Brody, and we know the Anderson's coming in to uh, take on Steve-O and DiBiase, but other than that, we, this is a very light week. Well, Dusty, of course, coming for the world title and Harley race as well, but no no real angles. We don't hear from Harley. Just a whole lot of nothing. I, I'm very underwhelmed by this episode of TV overall. And we get a big slap in the face to poor Colonel Buck. He wasn't allowed on television, but George Scott can throw himself on, t- on <laughs> no, TV. No, immediately. Immediately. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to get to see his son as a referee coming up. Oh yeah, oh his son. Oh, he was he was no good in '89. So I don't even want to know what it looks like here in 1981. <laughs> My God, I had forgotten Byron Scott. Yes. Oh, yikes. All right, Jamie. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> what a way to close a holiday show. Uh, we know Byron Scott on his way into the territory. On top of everything else we've got going on, but hopefully things turn around or pick up a little bit. We know Ole Anderson going to take over the book before too long. Things are going to get really hot as the summer progresses. So we do have a lot to look forward to, and it's not too far away, maybe somewhere in the month of July. I don't remember the exact week, but pretty much all of the rest of the year is out there almost in completion. Every episode of Georgia Championship Wrestling, and much like I've been doing with Memphis and the UWF, as long as the WWE gods permit it, I'm going to try to add those Georgia shows so you guys can follow along with us to my YouTube. So that should be fun. Yeah, I think around July 4th, we're going to start getting... Uh, full entire shows because the July 4th show is my first TBS show uh, that aired in my own house. I didn't have okay. to go to my buddy's house didn't to watch cross TBS. the street anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no, no longer. And when we get to the July 4th, I have a story, a personal story about what I went through to get to see that show. Oh man. I can't wait. Can't wait to hear it. <laughs> not too far away. Not too far away. I mean, what, what am I in? I'm 15. I'm not even 15 yet. So I'd make big strides and make sure I'm home to watch that show for the first time. I know how that goes. Uh, but yeah, so my God, we're already in uh, mid-June, so we're heading into July, not too far away. We're in the middle of the summer of 1981. Things are really, well, I wanted to say they were cooking, but they're really not. They're, but they always say you got to bring things down to build it back up. And I don't know if that was intentionally done here by George Scott, but it can't get much lower. So I'm waiting to see what, what transpires over the next several weeks here on TV. And again, I know Ole's around the corner, so I'm not too worried anyway. Lots of great talent headed in, lots of great angles and uh, matches uh, coming our way as well. So looking forward to all of that. And Jamie, I want to thank you again for giving, giving me a little of your time heading into the holidays. I know it can get a little busy at home as well as at your shoot job at this point in time of the year. So I just appreciate you taking a little time and uh, giving it to us here at Regional Wrestling, both me as well as the listeners. Hey, anytime I can be on here, you know, the, the egomaniac that lives inside of me. 
I love doing this. Um, I never thought I'd have so much fun doing podcasts and being part of your network is really an honor. I mean, I got a chance to listen to yourself and Steve Crawford do your first Memphis show. And that was just scintillating podcasting right there. Anytime I can listen to Steve's a good thing. Uh, you have another friend of mine, Gene Jackson, will be joining you. So, and, and of course, good old Roman Gomez. We can't forget Roman oh, and your you 1980. What a, what a great guy. You know, I, I put him over at the beginning of uh, the last episode I did with him. He wasn't on the show yet, so he didn't hear it until it aired. But I just said, it's one of the, you know, the kindest, nicest, you know, guys you could ever, ever want to meet in life. Not just a wrestling fan, but just in life in general. Just a really, really good guy is Roman Gomez. You are too, Jamie. You're very easygoing. And other than the fact that you defend Michael Hayes just a little too much, sometimes I have no complaints about Jamie hey, Moore hey, either. We're, 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 you know, we're about a month away from you thought I was crazy <laughs> oh, over Michael before. Uh, Michael Hayes, the face. We're going to a new level. We may have to just, you know, run a debate every week just, just for the hell of it. And I'll try to take the opposite stance. And let, you know, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I haven't watched that babyface hey, Michael Hayes stuff in quite a while. So I've purposely been saving it. So it's all going to be, I won't say new to me again, but it's all going to be pretty fresh in my mind when I, when we go back and watch it. Not only did my mom love Tommy Rich, she loved Michael Hayes. But like Tommy Rich, she wanted to give Michael Hayes a haircut. I I, I, I get that. I and she that. didn't like the bearded Michael Hayes that showed up in world class. <laughs> she used to say, Michael, get rid of that beard. That's how he finished his gimmick off, man. That's that's uh, really what drove it home was that beard. I think uh, that's the, whenever I see him without the beard, it kind of throws me off, to be honest with you. But it's uh, it's been a fun time, Jamie. And if you have any uh, holiday plugs, please make them right now. Yeah, matter of fact, um, tomorrow night I'll be recording another episode of the other ship. I was on a couple of weeks ago for a Survivor Series preview, and uh, now this time it's going to be a non wrestling topic, like I told people before the other ship goes other places, just not professional wrestling. They talk food, TV shows, movies. Well, this time we're going to be discussing our favorite Christmas shows as a kid. You know, the year without a Santa Claus, Rudolph, uh, the Flintstone cartoon ones. It's, it, it's going to be wide open. Oh, so that's, if that's, you get, that's a fun time. It's a good oh, time yeah. of year for it, so I, I'm looking forward to trying, trying to so, get some uh, free time to listen to that one because, you know, it's this time of year. A lot of people hate it, you know, and I, and I don't really get it. I didn't grow up that way. I, you know, I was very uh, embraced by my grandparents who raised me. Everything was, the whole house was decorated, the whole nine yards, lots of love in that house, lots of presents in that house as well. So I always had great memories, and I tried to repeat that for my kids. So this time of year, I try to watch the movies that I always like to watch. I try to watch, there's three Christmas carols that I always try to squeeze in there. Maybe they aren't the best, but they are some of the more memorable ones from the older years. I think 1938, 1956, some of the more famous versions, but there's some movies I try to fit in every year. And yeah, so I love that. I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys bring up as far as your favorite shows as a kid. Yeah. By the time this show airs, that one will have already aired and hopefully everybody listened to it and, it and has, has checked it out. So I'll be on the other ship with Chris Spiker, William Merriweather, Michael Herrick and Drew Samuels. And uh, like I said, give those guys on the other ship a, a listen. Uh, if you listen once, you'll get hooked to them because they're four great guys and they do a great show, and I get to be um, the fifth laid stooge. back. I get to be the fifth stooge for those shows. <laughs> yep, yep, I, yep. I have I have a good time. I've met all those guys in person, and, uh, and you know it, it. It's kind of different. So give a listen. I mean, you and I joke around, but if you ever want to see another side of my personality, give a listen to this. These guys just just to hear 
hear me or listen to their quality opinions. Yeah, just give it a shot, guys. I mean, you have nothing to lose, and I'm not saying that in a negative way at all. It's just, you know, if you've never listened to the show, you're hearing it here. We're talking about it. It's not just because Jamie Ward uh, shows up on that program from time to time. It's th- Those guys do talk about a little bit of everything. Lots of people like to talk about that retro stuff that went on in their lifetimes, whether it's toys or food or what have you, and they cover all that stuff. You never know what you're going to get into week to week, and of course, wrestling covered as well. You talk about the current product, the Survivor Series, and, uh, you know, obviously some other things to pop up from time to time. So you guys did the fantasy tournaments and stuff. So I'm looking forward to listening to this Christmas episode uh, because, you know, it's it's always it's that time of year and I, it keeps me in the mood doing things like that. So, yeah, give that a oh, shot, yeah. guys. And, yeah, I think that that's it for my end, though. I don't really have anything to plug, plug this week. On a personal level, uh, you know, I have two grandchildren now and I can't wait until they're just a little bit older where they can sit down and watch all these old cartoons and claymation uh, stuff with me. So I can go back and uh, relive not only my childhood, but when my kids were young, I sat there and watched all that stuff with them. Yeah, and I'll break kayfabe here for for a second. And we tried to get some of these shows recorded a little early before they dropped just so I can spend the holiday weeks with my kids watching said program. So that's basically why, you know, I, I did this early. Jamie was just to make sure I had that open time to spend with my family. So, uh, yeah, I look forward to watching some of these shows with them as well. Family, very important. And everyone should spend as much time with your family during the holidays as you can, because it's creates some of the best memories uh, that you'll have. And when you're old like me and you, and you look back over the years, you, you'll smile remembering uh, the times that you spent with the family at holiday season. Take it from the man himself, Jamie Ward, guys. And uh, we're going to wrap it up now, Jamie. But another two weeks in the books and maybe another two weeks around the corner. I'm not sure that Omni falls in between. So we'll see what we can get away with next time here on the program. Either way, we're going to continue on with the month of June. Next time Jamie joins the show, I believe it's going to be the new year. Happy New Year, Jamie 2024, next time around. Uh, because we're going to close out the year, I do believe, the final week after Christmas, heading into the new year here on Regional Wrestling. It very well may be the first week of Memphis 85 TV. So, uh, yeah, guys, get ready for some sound bites of Lance Russell. Can't wait for that. Oh, I can't wait. I'll be <laughs> listening as I deliver the mail and the packages and everything that week. Yes, the packages continue after Christmas, people. You know it does. You order from Amazon <laughs> you, people. and, and, and and all those other companies, Walmart, you just keep the, keep it loaded into the post office, support my pension so I can retire early. I, I greatly appreciate it. My back doesn't, but I do. Well, all right, Jamie, we're going to wrap it so, up here, man. I just want to say I appreciate you again. Happy holidays. A very Merry Christmas to you and your family. Looking forward to talking to you again very soon and continuing on our journey down here in 1981 in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Yeah, safe to you and your family, Ray, and everyone out there. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and happy new year. And the Florida State Seminoles got screwed. Down tide. Right, guys that's going to wrap it up here this week I want to thank jamie ward once again 
and we'll continue on with more Georgia 81 here very soon. Also more UWF 86 with Roman Gomez and Memphis 85 right around the corner. For now, I'm your host, Ray Russell. You can follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. And we'll be back soon with more regional wrestling where we talk the territories. Mm-hmm.